SaaS Insiders, welcome to this episode of our podcast. Today with me, I have Adele Theobald, the founder of iDrive HR and a passionate SaaS founder just like you. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of how to communicate with developers as a non-tech founder. A lot of us are not coming from the engineering background, and Adele is the same. And today we're going to talk about how to make those people stop speaking JavaScript and start speaking English with us. With that said, Adele, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vlad. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Maybe you could give a couple sentence introduction to you, to your background, so that SaaS insiders could know you a bit better. Um, so I've been building this SaaS product for less than two years. We are at a MVP stage, um, currently looking for Series A investment. I personally have never worked with developers before, um, before this um, time. And that was probably one of the biggest challenges I had to face. Um, so before I started to build the product, I had a vision. And this vision has sat with me for a good 18, 19 years before I could see what that vision looked like. Realized then I needed to build a product and it needed to be a software product. Um, and I then started to wonder how I might do this. So my first impression was to speak with companies that develop such products. And then I kind of came out of those meetings thinking, oh my goodness me, that is a lot of money. And I was being quoted half a million pounds, a million pounds, you know, 1.5 million. And it just seemed ridiculous. So I, as an entrepreneur, decided, okay, there must be another way. And I found that way. And that was to find my own developers. Awesome. Well, I like how you are straight to the point. It's like my name Adele and we're looking for Series A funding. So that, that's super cool because some of the listeners of our show are also investors in the SaaS world. Some of them are angel investors, some of them are VCs. So it is a really great opening. From your experience now that you're working for it for almost two years, if I got this correctly, how do developers differ from non-technical team members? I assume you work with other people, you manage other people. What are the main differences you find in the way you talk to them? There is a definite difference, a definite difference. So I, I would suggest that communication is absolutely fundamentally key to, to being able to have a developer translate what you mean and and put that into a language, a coding language, where they can build something. In the team that we have in internally, um, that's not the kind of conversation that we have because we we tend to bounce off one another, flow, the communication flows. Um, there, there doesn't necessarily need to be any logic to the conversation, you know, within the team. Obviously, we may be talking about how we're trying to get to a result to a certain point in time, but we can kind of go with the flows and ebbs of the conversation and, and reach that reach that point because everybody wants to have a voice everybody wants to have an input working with developers not not the same <laughs> you have to have an absolute clear framework and you need to follow that framework and that framework needs to be logical because developers really the the experience that I've had anyway if if there's a bit of fluff in between or or kind of you don't really know what that looks like or you don't really know how it's all connecting and then that can waste time and time is cost ultimately. So you want to get this thing built 
Um, so what you have to do before you even approach and speak to developers is make sure you're clear in your mind what that looks like and, and use tools to have those conversations. So with developers, I'll use more tools to clear that communication within my team, my customer support team. I don't need necessarily those tools. We can have conversations and, and reach the same end point. Um, but a developer likes to see. A developer likes to to be able to connect the dots very quickly and to mm. know that how they're actually going to code this for you. And they'll ask very pointed questions. It's so important to listen to developers. I find it all the time where if you have like a technical co-founder or like some kind of fractional CTO, then that's not a problem because there's a person who understands you and does the hard translation part. But a lot of times people go to like freelancing platforms, for example, they just find some developer and then just, they just talk to them like, okay, I have this grand vision and then just go, you know, seven years in advance. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, how come, how come no one understands me? Like, I'm, I'm pretty clear on what I want to achieve. Do you have any comments on that? Like, what, what's wrong with this approach? Just going to individual developer who's like the actual one who's writing code and just like bombard them with like your grand vision for, for this business. Oh, Vlad, I made that mistake. Um, before I found the developer that has been with us for, for since I started, actually approached a development team and I did exactly that. I, that, that's what I did. I explained mm -hmm. what I wanted. And I, if by magic, I expected something to come back to me that looked remarkable like what was in my mind and it came back and I was kind of looking at it thinking no 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 that's completely not what I had um, imagined and realized I needed to go back to the drawing board so I realized quickly it it was I was missing something <laughs> and and I had to do some research you know what was I missing you know what, what was it that I'd got wrong and how could I correct that because that was that was money gone it wasn't a lot of money but it was still money and, and it was time and I quickly realized that I, I needed to have a wireframe. I needed to create a wireframe and, and having someone non-tech create a wireframe is really challenging. But I did create this, this wireframe. I think it's so important you know, to, to ensure that when you are searching for a developer or a development team, that you choose wisely. You ask the right questions to get responses back so that you can evaluate and assess whether or not you're going to get on with one another, whether or not you can communicate with one another and understand each other, and also whether or not you can help one another. That's so key. And that that's what I did the second time round, which was very quick for me. And I found I was very fortunate to find a full stack developer who, who wasn't necessarily massively experienced, but actually got what the vision was and was able to translate that from the wireframe that I'd put together. Um, and I, we did a little bit of a test because I, I actually said, you know, why don't you draw me up? without coding or anything, what you think this might look like from my wireframe. And what he produced was absolutely what was in my mind. It, the two were just connected straight away. And I knew from that point forward, we would be able to get on. He would be able to understand and translate my my needs, my wishes. He would teach me as well how to communicate better with him and um, so that we could pick speed up with regards to the product development. One thing I wanted you to elaborate because that's important for SaaS Insiders listening 
When you speak of the wireframes before you go to implementation, why is that super important in, in your in your mind? Uh, well, <laughs> you, you want to do this right and you want to to connect it right. And the worst thing that you can do is to get halfway through the, pro the project and realize that you've missed something that was critical and essential and actually was quite a key component part because you may have to then recode and start again. So it's it's absolutely important um, because, you know, and this is about trust, really. It comes into trust. A developer is able to quickly see from the wireframe what's missing, whereas I, non-tech, non-developer can't. So what might look correct to me and logical to a developer won't. And so it's really important to listen and to, to open up that communication so that the developer feels comfortable exchanging their point of view um, because if they don't, a developer will just develop and code what you've asked them to. They will code what they see and it can be too late then to correct it. You may run out of money, you may run out of time and you just may run out of energy. I think what you said is so crucial for a lot of people to understand who start their own SaaS business in a way that building a product is, is quite specific, really. So when it comes to drawing the wireframes, agreeing how the layout should work, what is the user experience, it starts with the idea, but idea is not material, right? When you put it on paper, it gets specific. I personally took it as a responsibility to me. Like when we work with some founders, when we help them build their SaaS products, we start with, let's get this whole thing on paper. Like before we start, let's, let's create basically wireframes, user flows, Let's let's be on the same page. Let Absolutely. me know exactly how you want it. Like the moment I see what you see, that's called we synced. The moment it's yep. done, yeah. we can go. We know you you get what you expect, and we can we can focus on our side. But Absolutely. This thing, it's almost like we we had to teach a lot of people of this term how to do it. How, how did you really come up with this? That you need the wireframes? Is it was it like a developers, a technical teams who were advising you on that, or you just kind of? No, I think it's important for an entrepreneur to, to take responsibility for what they're about to embark upon and to do a little bit of research. So, so I did a little bit of Googling to, to try and find out, you know, what, what, what developers used to develop products. And this is where I came across this term wireframe. I had no clue what this wireframe was. Was it a chicken wireframe? What does it do? So I had to look at that and, and understand it. Not to the degree that the developer understands it, but so that I could use it to translate and to communicate with the developer on. And, and I, I built the wireframe. So I actually created one, uh, which did make my developer chuckle at the time, I do recall, because obviously it wasn't anything like he'd seen before. Um, but, he, but he got it. He got it and he understood it. And he, he then walked me through it. This is so important to, to know that you're both on the same hymn sheet. You need to have your developer walk you through what exactly they see. And mm. you need to then, if you like, help the developer see any gaps by asking the developer questions and, you know, ask the developer what they see and what's missing. Can they see something that's missing? I think as well, it's really important that you find a developer that understands the terminologies that you're mm. going to be introducing into your system. So obviously our system relates to people. It relates to human resource management and business management. So some of the technologies, that, uh, terminologies that we use, we wanted to ensure that the developer 
understood because otherwise we'd be teaching the developer about business and HR and all of these fancy things. So actually that was a really important part of our evaluation and assessment of choosing this developer. Could they understand the terminologies we would be using? If you knew this in the beginning, right? If you knew about the wireframes, if you if you were to start all over again, if you go back in time with this knowledge, how would that be different? Would you be in a different place now if you started from wireframe from day one or how would that make I, I drive HR different? I, well, we only lost a month in the beginning, uh, which wasn't too bad. That was easy to kind of stomach. So we only lost a month. So we'd probably be, yes, slightly ahead, but not very much. I think we've probably done a great job, you know, when I look back because, you know, we did quickly um, relate to one another and we quickly had something that we could see together and we could then work through together. I think, you know, it's it's interesting. Had I known then what I know now, then I think the wireframe was fine. Probably what I didn't do or recognize or fully appreciate was that developers, they don't need constant, constant communication. So they very much like to be left to do it, to code, to get it to a certain point. And in the beginning, I kind of left the developer to do that without um, having those touch points in, which hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done. I didn't know any better then because it's so important to have those touch points so that you can make sure that where you've got to in that point is not somewhere it shouldn't be (laughs) because a a developer can get carried away. (laughs) <laughs> and right. and I found this out in the beginning. So I had to change my my tacts, if you like, and, and my mm. communication slightly to make sure that I kept in touch so that, you know, we weren't going off on a tangent as a developer saw fit. <laughs> and what did you, did you find to be the frequency that works? I assume it should be consistent, but I was speaking maybe once a month, once a week, oh, no, daily. No. Yeah, daily. Yeah, we 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 use um, a communication channel called Slack to uh, speak with our develop developer who isn't here with us. We're not local to each other, and we also use a platform called Jira. So we use Jira to put on there what changes we want to make or what new features we want to include in the product. Um, I didn't use Jira until a good six months into product development. I was simply using Slack. So um, that's probably also something I would change. I would use Jira much sooner than I introduced it. I, I wasn't aware of Jira until the developer told me about it. There are quite a few project management tools, but it's I know it's easy to just go with communication when there's only one person, you know, building something. So usually when it's a team, then then we plug in the whole systems to to make it work. But Adele, I'm curious for and for all SaaS insiders listening as well, how do you think your communication style, your approach to conveying your ideas to technical people changed over the past couple of years? Do, do, do you see anything that you're doing different that you were doing when you just got started on this? I do a lot more thinking before translating what what it needs to be and and look like i think as well as time's gone on and trust has grown i have introduced i suppose opportunities for the developer to have a to have some input um and to use their innovation you know innovative ideas with regards to some aspects of the product and i think that that's important um because in the beginning you know i knew exactly what i wanted it to look like and da 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 but that actually when you get into the product 
and you start listening to you know what's going on around you and you start playing with how it looks and feels the developer actually often has some input to add but they won't freely give this input unless you ask and or make the opportunity for them to be feel you know that communication is open and um, so I think that's that's really important absolutely and I had to change my communication from from being more directional to be more inviting and coaching the the developer to to, to come forward with those ideas because that's not a natural thing for a developer to do oh yeah yeah they're the not people is... They're not people people, really. <laughs> My oh, other yeah, team but, are people people. They kind of but, love to feed off people, but developers don't don't need that. But I know like in the beginning when we start this journey, it, it almost feels like you go to Google Translate, you select from English, you know, to instead of Chinese, you select JavaScript. And, and you hope that they understand this message, you know. Now that you are much more used to that, especially when you said coaching someone what would be the things that are different like what would what kind of advice you would give to yourself if you were to go back in time for a couple of years ago and say like yeah. this is what you need to change in the way you communicate well i know the methods now that the developer uses so uh, one of the aspects that we missed you know it's dead easy to miss is actually quality testing the code as it's been developed so getting to points where you are able to quality test because as you know that that wastes time so using language with the developer tells the developer to stop <laughs> is is important um so you need to establish those kind of milestones so so if this is the task and this is what's in Jira be really clear with the developer what exactly the behaviors of the of what it is they're going to be doing is so that they can look out for those and then when you quality test you're quality testing the behaviors and certainly that wasn't anything that wasn't in my lingo you know lingo at the beginning that came in time then the the communication was much more fluid much more fluid because i knew exactly how to phrase when i was putting um the requests in jira whether there were new requests or or existing changes is keeping them really brief and keeping them exact because you have to use exact behaviors about how it is behaving now and what you want it to do for the developer to translate that into um, JavaScript or, or whatever code um, they're using. And I think as well, understanding the developer's stack, so their software stack, what they're using is critical, mm. absolutely critical. Didn't have a clue when we first started. You know, I, I kind of had the conversation about what, what, you know, what languages do you write in, do you code in, what kind of frameworks had because I've done a little bit of research on, on Google but didn't really understand it to the degree that I sh you know maybe would have done if I was techie so I've had to learn that as I've gone on and as I've gone on and learned it I then know where we're at in the stage of development process so I can I can pinpoint exactly where we could have a problem so I can stop the developer at that point and just use the language that he's familiar with with regards to you know this is what I want you to do and and this is how it needs to behave so the the, the developer says yeah that's behaving in the way that she she wants it to behave have you were you reading any kind of books maybe listening to some speakers on those subjects on how to lead how to lead a team maybe you can you could recommend a couple resources for our listeners to to check out no <laughs> 
I've never read anything about that. I've listened to loads of SaaS podcasts, loads, absolutely stacks, but nothing that has helped me with my communication with the developer and developers because we had developers at one point. I I think it's really important for the entrepreneur to first recognize the way that they communicate in their style and not be closed. So to be open with communication, to adapt their style as necessary and always listen out for the signals, you know, is is the developer understanding me? Are we on the same? Are we on the same track? And and really to to kind of adapt to the developer and, and what they need mm. and ask them what their needs are. Am I being clear? Sometimes my developer will, it will literally use the words, I'm completely lost. <laughs> What do you mean? And so I have to kind of go back into what I'm trying to express. But using behaviours is key because that means it's something that the developer can latch into quickly. You know, this is what the system is currently doing. This is how it's behaving. This is how I want it to behave and break them down into very tiny steps. Mm -hmm. One thing you've mentioned, and I want everyone here to, to, to pick up the golden nugget. When you say expressing terms using behaviors. Could you elaborate a bit more on that, on what is exactly uh, that we need to communicate to people, to technical people, to to make them understand what needs to be done? Yeah, so so this is just breaking it down into, into the, the behavior of the user and also okay. the behavior of the system when the user carries out that action. So if it's clicking a button, then explain what's happening. The user is doing this and and speaking from a user perspective and this is how the system is is behaving this is what is happening after the user you know clicks this button and if it's not behaving in the way you want it to behave you have to almost break it down into small tiny steps to say it did this and this is how i need it to to behave and and tell the developer exactly what that looks like in very plain English. You don't need to be, it doesn't need to be complicated or anything or plain language. It just needs to be really basic, really basic. I see a lot of times founders try to <clears throat> try to make sense of technology themselves. And they say like, well, I want when, when I click this button, I wanted to go to a database and put this record and I want to do this kind of transformation, pivoting tables or in doing this stuff. Do, do you see any problem with this kind of communication? Like, have you done it before? Like, what, what can happen? <laughs> well, I, I've never tried that myself. I think what could happen is um, things could go wrong because you're almost telling the developer how to do their job without knowing what their job entails and, and knowing all the intrinsic parts. It's interesting because you just mentioned that and currently we're going through a version upgrade. Um, so we have, we're changing some of our uh, UI UX um, in a part of the system. When we've taken a look at it, one of our customers had raised previously that they would like it to do this. And it, it was very easy for us to say, oh, the customer who's techie, by the way, that's their chief technology officer, who was very explanatory in, in what they wanted the behavior to do and how the system to respond. And the developer could have just gone ahead and and kind of done this, which would have been a disaster for us because it, it would have um, opened up all kinds of problems and issues and introduced issues into the system that we, we wouldn't be able to resolve later because we wouldn't have known they were there. But we didn't. We It would have been easy for us to do that, but we didn't. We we kind of took a step back and said, no, let's let's take 
this away from the developer. This is this is not something we're doing now. Let's stick to what we're doing now. We we then positioned it with the developer as a question rather than as a, a direction or what we wanted to achieve. And it was more about if we were to, how would the system respond? So asking the question to get an answer so that we could then understand the problems that we would be introducing. Yes, I really like really like this approach. I think what you're speaking to about is also being open about that you don't you don't need to understand all of the technology behind the scenes, right? And when someone's explaining to you something you don't understand, the last the last thing you want to do is just to say like, mm-hmm, yep, got it. Like I always encourage people to to be honest and, and to admit that I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you explain in simpler terms? Because if you if you're making it look like you understand, you're making a disservice to everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so so important that that both of you know the parties are open and honest with one another, and because otherwise you end up going down a track that you know either you're not both on, you're going down something that actually wasn't intended, and and again that's a waste of time and money. I mean, it's so important. SAT, building SaaS is not cheap. It's, you know, if particularly our type of system, you know, we have a complicated, high security system that does a lot of things. You know, we're not, it's not just doing one thing. It's doing multiple things at once um, with AI in it. And it's, um, it's, it's crazy, you know, because it, it can just eat money. So you have to be constantly on the ball with regards to where you're at and, and ensuring that the developers are where you're at at the same time so that you know you can keep a control on the costs and you can also keep a control on the the development stage that you're at a lot of times especially when i'm for example i'm, I'm a non-tech founder and i'm starting something i have maybe one or two people working on my product but at some stage when i introduce the second the third one if i'm the one managing them I started getting pressure that I'm becoming a product lead, uh, like a team leader, right? Yeah. And and I start I start thinking, do I need to know all of the details? How do I make sense of those meetings? Because I get all of those people in the same room and they start talking JavaScript, right? That's just like I said in the beginning, it's not English, it sounds JavaScript. And, I, and I'm sitting here with the translator trying to make sense of it. Do you think... A founder has to, has to become a technology officer, like regardless. Is it like a destiny? Will you think you'll become one, or like what are the other options? Like how well, how I would you do it? I suppose a founder could, if they really had an interest in that, and that's what they wanted to do. They could switch to being the CTO. I'm not suggesting that's the best course of action. And uh, certainly for for our business, for iDrive HR, we've introduced somebody new to take over the technology side of the business, the product development. So I don't actually handle any of that anymore. And that's done by them. In fact, some of the processes that we originally started to use um, when I, I carried out this role originally, they've gone back to using because it was very highly effective. However, We've also now um, just introduced to the business a development manager, because I think, you know, whilst it's great to have someone that's overseeing the product development and looking at the projects that you may need to um, start working on in the, the course of the next 12, 18 to, you know, months, two years, it's so important for, for the team and for the projects to be managed by someone who actually can understand 
the intrinsics of those projects. So because we've gone from me, founder, one developer with one project, which was to to get the, you know, the 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 MVP there um, so that we could start to sell this to customers. But it's a whole different thing, Vlad, than moving from the MVP to now then becoming a software business that then is not just providing a solution, but building on its solution that it has built. And that's where we're transitioning into now. So so we have taken on a development manager who will now be that interface and he can simultaneously run our, you know, I think we've got three projects starting at once. You know, we're in in a period of, of high for a development team. We'll also look to use external consultants as well to bring that fresh approach and fresh eyes to the situation because we can't see everything. You know, it, I think as a as a SaaS finds its feet and as a SaaS starts to earn revenue, it almost overnight transitions to a different type of beast. It's that beast that needs then that, you know, that expertise being brought into the team. So, Got yeah, it. I wouldn't want to be the CTO. <laughs> That's not my forte. Yeah. Well, one thing you, you said, which I agree with, is when you start scaling, when you introduce more people into business, I think any business really, it's just SaaS is very technological, so it has to be even more specific. But in any business, really, we, we always want systems in place, right? McDonald's wouldn't scale if they didn't have systems in place. But what they did allow them to have how many thousands of locations, you know, and they can hire students and they still perform on it because it's so documented. They tell you how to assemble a burger. I mean, how to flip the you know the <laughs> patty. It's it's so detailed. And when you have systems like this, it's just. It just alleviates some of the human factor of the equation. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's, it's really important. It absolutely is. And and just to kind of underpin, you know, underline that, you know, we brought this development manager on board. The first thing he said was, So where's the specification? <laughs> we were like, What is specification, right? I've got a w I've got a one-page wireframe. Is that <laughs> And he he laughed and smiled and said, "Okay, we've got to build on this." He said, "Because we're we're going to need this, you know, moving forward. Because you know what, we have it because it's in Jira, you know. But we're going to have to now go back through Jira and work out, you know, what this thing used to look like and where it's gone and how it's transitioned, etc. So we've got a back catalogue, if you like, of." Mm -hmm system development which is important it's important for the development team because then they know what's worked well what's not worked well what we've learned our lessons along the way because some of the code you know developers don't have all the answers and i think that's really actually important for an entrepreneur a founder to realize developers do not have all the answers the way that developers work is through a network so they they talk to one another in their network they share experiences they share what works well what doesn't work well they problem solve together oh you know in the internet if you like um using github and other other forums and that's okay it's okay for a developer not to have the answer because actually the developers should go away and find the answer and they love mm. to do that they love to learn new things and problem solve I feel like you're at a very interesting stage of your business <laughs> right now with all the documentation needed to be preparing for the fundraising what are the immediate needs 
or your business that you're looking help with. Because I'm asking, we're building this SaaS insiders community. We all have different backgrounds. There are SaaS founders, VCs, experts joining us from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of skills, expertise. And we're always here to help each other. So we we usually share what are the things that we're currently seeking help with so that people could potentially connect and, uh, and help us move forward. Are there any immediate needs on your side? I think, you know, collecting, you know, putting everything down into some kind of narrative is really important at this moment for us. And also probably drawing up some of the projects that we we are going to be embarking upon, not not just yet, because they're already drawn up now, but that certainly the future ones. Because I think when you are a SaaS and you, you are moving at a fast pace, they'll get to a point when you start to move at a faster pace. And it's really important for the for the founder of the SaaS to recognize when that has happened. And it has happened for us. Because if if you don't and you're not paying attention, the business will will either fail because it runs faster than it can. Your your developers will not be able to keep up with with the speed of change that's required and and change will come. And, and I think every SaaS founder um, should recognize that, you know, once you've built your system, it's not built, you're in still building <laughs> and you'll probably be building for some time because technology is changing really fast. It's changing overnight. And, you you know, if you want your business to be a success, then you're going to have to tweak the edges, be agile and change it according to, to technology. So that's really important to recognize when that happens. And when that happens, seek help to to bring everything together to stay on track and to to keep those projects going because those projects are development projects uh, they're probably going to be the biggest part of your your wage bill or your costs and it's really important to keep a track like i say of the money that you're spending on those projects and also the time so that you can stay ahead of your competition and also to, to stay ahead in your of your sanity <laughs> so that you don't lose lose and go mad. No, I mean, we, we always go sleepless nights as founders <laughs> from time to time. It's just we don't we don't have to, right? We, we just choose to because we don't make those measures. And it's really important what you said. What would be one advice to kind of wrap up our conversation? If people would only hear this one thing, like one specific advice, it's only one takeaway people would take from our conversation today. What would be your advice on how do you manage your technical team? How do you communicate with them? What what should I do as a, as a SaaS founder? I'm just getting started. I'm getting my developers on board. What advice you could give to a person like this? I think have a framework that you all are clear on. And that framework needs to include tools. It needs to include a wireframe or, or some schematic that you can all understand and that has everything included on it and i think you know it's really important to to establish a routine in conversations so we have a certain routine with our development so that we know you know we we always always without fail will sign off at the end of the day so we know where we're at at that the end of that day and we always sign back in on the morning to agree what's happening that day what we're going to focus on because then you can understand what the touch points need to be during that day if there needs to be any um sometimes 
there aren't any because there's simply a lot of coding to get done and it's going to take two or three days so you can sign in, sign out and make sure you're on track. But I think, you know, establishing that regular communication, we we use Slack and Jira. Those work for us, um, but each company and each founder would find their own tools to, to use. You know, we're, we're just about to purchase GitHub Premium so that we can now start to introduce this across our whole team. And so a founder might want to invest in that in the beginning. Awesome. Awesome. To kind of summarize, I want to make sure that everyone gets it. We're speaking about when we get started, it's it's important to set the framework in the beginning. It's easy to keep it flexible. Let's just chat in, in some, you know, communication messengers and just hope no one gets lost. Let's use Skype, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's really important to set the, the foundation of how you will work with the team in the next three months, six months, one year, two years, three years. How would this work if there are five developers, 10 developers, a bunch of people? Will it still work? If you have this in the beginning, I think you'll be in a much better place. Would that be that be correct? Kind of I think that's that's thing? a fair assessment. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's interesting. It's been a really interesting journey for me. And and you have to learn at speed. You have to be prepared to learn. Be prepared to to ask questions to learn and also do a bit of research. Having a framework and building on that framework is is critical. And having um, you know, we, we call the the way that we work is agile. So, so we have scrum meetings and, you know, other aspects now that have been introduced into our business and that, you know, just were not in my mindset in the very beginning. And, and these are to help us keep on track. They're just meetings, you know, they're just meetings with a certain agenda for, you know, the heads of whoever's working on it to come together. And, and that sits in the framework. But don't be afraid to change the framework if it's not working, is what I would say. Adele, what would be the best way for founders to, and, and VCs and all, everyone, people who want to speak with you from the SaaS insiders community to get in touch with you and to potentially seek out help or reach out with help to you? We'll be putting links in the description to this episode. So if you could name what are the channels that you prefer to be contacted with? Sure. So LinkedIn is where I'm most active and where you probably find me easier. <laughs> um, so I have probably got one of those names that's not very commonly used across the world. So yeah, just look out for Adele Theobald, T-H-E-O-B-A-L-D on LinkedIn. Please send me a message request and, and I will connect with you. Look forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. What would be the last thoughts to, to kind of wrap up our talk today? Any, anything you would like to say? Well, you asked me a question, you know, what if I was to rewind the clock back five years and I'd be my younger self, there is somebody out there that's thinking of doing this and they are a non-tech person. Do it. Just do it. I, I waited a little bit before I did it and, and found bravery to, to work out the how. If you don't know the how, seek some help to to get there and you will work it out but but do it just do it is what i would say don't don't wait just crack on adele theobald everyone adele i thank you for joining us today on this episode you're welcome vlad thank you for inviting me sas insiders we'll see you on the next episode of our show have a good one